welcome to Embrace Your Weird. This is the podcast where we talk about anxiety, authenticity, and what happens when we decide to stop acting. I'm Lisa Jacob. I'm glad that you are here. This morning I had a really cool experience. I was invited to a staff retreat for the University of Virginia's Career Services Center. And it was a staff retreat, a bonding thing. And they have this really cool thing. They have Mindfulness Mondays where they meditate on Monday mornings together. And so for the retreat, they asked me to come in and talk a little bit about meditation and mindfulness and run a little meditation session for all of us. Sorry, Olive, my dog, is, uh, as always, here with me in my closet as I record this podcast. And she's decided now would be a great time to have a bath. So you might be hearing um, dog bathing noises. So sorry about that. I know, I'm sorry. I just had to tell the people what's going on. Otherwise, it's just weird licking noises underneath the podcast. It can be kind of disconcerting. Okay, staff retreat for the University of Virginia. And so a a number of the people that work at the Career Services Center knew about meditation. They had been meditating uh, at work. A lot of them have a meditation practice at home. So they were into it. They were excited about it. Maybe the other half, maybe slightly less than half of the people didn't meditate, weren't that into it, um, were kind of just there because they had to be. And I love that mix of people because I love the challenge of figuring out how to talk about meditation in a way that is going to be accessible and interesting, both to people who already have meditation as part of their lives, and people who are skeptics. So when I talk to people about meditation, I will often hear somebody say to me, oh yeah, meditation, I've heard about that, it sounds good, but my brain goes a million miles an hour and I could never ever stop my thoughts. My brain is just too busy. And um, I I try to say this gently, but I think I end up saying it not gently. I tend to respond by saying, oh, yeah, you know, your brain is not special. That is just the condition of having a human brain. It's the brain's job to bounce around all the time and look for problems. That's how the brain has kept us alive. So it's not a bad thing that we have thoughts. All we're trying to do when we meditate is notice. Notice those thoughts. And when we can, we bring the attention back to the present moment. We, we shift our relationship with the thoughts. You know, I think pop culture has done a bad job with meditation in that it's given us this idea that we're supposed to somehow be this, like, thoughtless, free-floating, peaceful thing. It's not at all true. We're going to have thoughts, and that's okay. That doesn't mean we've failed at meditation. It means we're human. 
So I went to this retreat and had such a great time talking about mindfulness and specifically talking about how to use meditation and mindfulness for productivity, how to get more work done, how to be more efficient in your life, which I think is a great way to look at meditation. It tends to be a more action-oriented, businessy way to talk about meditation, but it's the cool thing about meditation is that it's it's not woo-woo. Like, there's legit science there, and businesses, increasing numbers of businesses, are finding that meditation is a great way to help employees, yes, be happier and be more productive with their work. So it was a really interesting challenge for me, and I enjoyed it a lot. And as I was driving home from the meditation retreat, going, gosh, that was just great. I loved that. They had such great questions. There was great energy. I felt like I was able to talk about meditation in a way that made it resonate with people that had different levels of experience. And so I was just so happy about that because... Meditation has absolutely been a game changer for me. So the fact that I could share that and hopefully help people feel a little bit more grounded, a little bit more confident, a little bit more productive, and a little less anxious, I love that. So I was driving home, and this thought hit me of like, damn, I really wish that I had recorded that for a podcast because I think that that would be really cool to be able to share everything that we just did together at this retreat on the podcast. But I didn't do that. So this is the next best thing. I decided to come into my closet with my dog Olive and sit on the floor and talk into this microphone and try to remember what I said. (laughs) I took some notes But let me try to figure out what I said. So here we go. I want to start with a little bit about my meditation story. So those of you who know me, have listened to previous podcasts, know this story. I was a working actor in LA. I did it for 18 years. And while I had always had anxiety and depression when I was in my early 20s, it got to the point where it was really hard to leave my house. Um, It was occasionally really hard to get up off my floor. So I knew something had to change. So I left Los Angeles, and there were a whole bunch of reasons for that. And I talk about all that in the introduction podcast and uh, also the movies one, if you want to check those out and get more information on that. But I left LA and thought, this is great, because I am going to move across the country and start all over, and I am never going to feel anxiety or depression ever again. Yay, me. But it actually, um, it doesn't really, it doesn't really work that way. There's that saying, wherever you go, there you are. There I was, depressed and anxious, just in Virginia. I had just switched coasts. And so I really needed to figure out how to 
work with my depression and anxiety. I had to find tools that could help me manage it, help me get out of the habit of this constant cloud, this constant stress that I had been living with for a really, really long time. I was seeing a therapist, which I, of course, highly recommend for just about everybody, really. I think absolutely every person who has lived life as a human being on the planet could benefit from therapy. But especially for a former child actor, oh yeah, therapy. Just absolutely vital to survival. So I was specifically doing cognitive behavioral therapy, and my therapist mentioned meditation to me. And I thought, you know, that sounds amazing for other people. Because clearly my therapist did not really understand the situation between my ears because it was carnage in there. This idea of sitting quietly somewhere, just me with my thoughts and no phone, that was a recipe for disaster. But, you know, my therapist had said a lot of other really smart things, things that I really hadn't known before, but I was really starting to buy into things like, hey, Lisa, do you know that you are not your thoughts? You have thoughts, but you are different from them. So therefore, you can decide how to deal with your thoughts. You can engage with them or not. You get to decide what thoughts just need to be dismissed and not engaged with. And when your thoughts are not productive, you're allowed to just move on and pick a new thought. Good Lord, that was revolutionary to me. So I started to think maybe this meditation thing would be an interesting thing to play with. I was convinced I was going to be terrible at it, but I needed something. I knew meditation would be hard. What was harder was anxiety, depression, stress, spinning out of control at three o'clock in the morning. That was really hard. If meditation was hard, I figured it had to be at least a little bit easier than that. When I sat down to meditate those first few times, I could meditate for about a minute and a half before feeling like I had to climb out of my skin. I started referring to my mind as the rabid raccoon because that's really how it felt. But I felt committed to this. I read several books. Um, I can leave links to some of my favorite meditation books in the show notes for you. John Kabat-Zinn, amazing. Uh, pretty much anything that he writes is brilliant on meditation. And he's a doctor. So it doesn't come from this, um, you know, like woo-woo place that a lot of people feel turned off by. It's very logical. It's very scientific. It's very medical. He's a wonderful 
writer. So John Kabat-Zinn was the author of the first several books about meditation that I read. Also, Sharon Salzberg is fantastic. I've been on meditation retreats with her. And her books are great, and in part because they come with guided meditations as well. So often, if you can listen to somebody guiding you through a meditation, it's a slightly easier, I won't say it's easy, it's never easy, a slightly easier way to learn how to keep coming back to the present moment. And so if you're looking for more book recommendations, sort of a different route to take would be Pema Chodron and Thich Nhat Hanh. Both such beautiful writers. They write such meaningful and profound things about meditation. They both come from the traditional Buddhist perspective of meditation. So if that's an angle that you want to come at meditation from, they are absolutely wonderful. So I started reading a bit about meditation and learning how helpful it has been for, you know, 2,500 years in helping human beings deal with our monkey mind, with our brain that just swings from branch to branch, thought to thought, and feels like it can just never possibly be still. So I started a practice. I would sit for short periods of time, whenever I could. And even in that limited amount of meditation time, I found a real shift. Because it doesn't actually matter how it goes when you're meditating. What matters is that you get practice coming back to the present moment and recognizing when your monkey mind, when your rabid raccoon brain is spinning in repetitive and unproductive ways. And what we do when we meditate is practice coming back to the present moment so that in the real world, when you are at work and you're having a confrontation, when you are stuck in traffic, when you are hit with a major disappointment, when somebody hurts your feelings, it gives you a little bit of space you have trained yourself to take a breath instead of launching into this go-to reaction, this knee-jerk reaction that might be your habit, but it might not actually be all that beneficial for you. Because there's this saying in meditation that we see the world not as it is, but as we are. Right? You've seen this in your own life. When you are stressed, everything is stressful. When you are sad, everything is sad. When you are feeling grounded, when you're feeling capable, when you are feeling confident, when you are feeling like even if the difficult things happen, you will figure out a way to handle them, Suddenly, everything in life gets just a little bit easier, even if nothing in the external circumstances has changed. We can learn how to resist the urge to give in to these counterproductive activities. And so you can see what is working 
and what is working against you. It helps you to not fall into the story of everything is difficult, I am unlovable, I'm stupid, it's always going to be this hard. Those things that our brains tend to cling onto and we find ourselves in the pattern. When we meditate, we see that pattern much more clearly. They say we have something like 70,000 thoughts per day and something like 90 plus percent of them are repetitive and not useful. So it's kind of like living within this shook up snow globe. Everything's falling around us and it's swirling and it's hard to see. And when we meditate, we can let the snow within the snow globe just settle a little bit. It helps us to see more clearly. It helps us to live more authentically because we can live from that place of our true selves rather than that place of, of panic, of fear, of anxiety. In terms of productivity, it's kind of like closing out a whole bunch of extra tabs on your internet browser that are just kind of spinning, kind of taking up space. And meditation is concentration training. So you learn how to focus on the things that are truly important, how to focus on the things that really need to be done rather than reviewing the stupid thing that you said to the lady at the grocery store four weeks ago. Yes, I am still thinking about that. It can help you close out that tab. So much of our lives are spent in these three phases. We judge everything, right? We want to categorize everything. And generally, we think things are pleasant, and so we try to cling on to them and hang on to them for dear life. We think things are unpleasant, so we want to push them away, get rid of them as quickly as possible, or things are neutral, and then we get bored. And then we, I don't know, do things that might not be great for us in our boredom. And what we're considering with meditation is not being in one of those three all the time. Can we just be in acceptance of the present moment? Can we be in this space of non-judgmental awareness? Can it all just be okay? There are so many wonderful images in meditation, and one of them is your thoughts, your emotions are the weather. They are constantly moving through. Sometimes they're intense, sometimes they're beautiful, sometimes they're difficult, sometimes they're amazing, but they're all moving through. Your thoughts, your feelings, they are the weather. But you are the sky. So can you be the observer? Can you be bigger than the weather that moves through? I love that image. Oftentimes I feel like I am just entrenched in the weather, in the feelings, in the emotions. I, my God, you guys, I have so many emotions. 
I have all the feelings all at once. It's like I can read one story about like the orca who had the baby who died and she carried him around for and like a week. For a week, I felt like I was just a mess over that. I have ridiculous amounts of empathy and it can be really painful living with that many feelings. <laughs> and it's good too, right? You know, like empathy is great and compassion is great and it's great to have feelings, but good God, it gets to be a little bit much sometimes. So I find that image to be very powerful, to realize that I don't have to invest so much in every emotion because you know what? It's going to move through. The storms are going to move through. The sun is going to move through. It's all going to move through and I'm still going to be here. So the folks at the retreat today had some really great questions. So I wanted to just tell you about some of their questions and some of the answers that I had in case you had similar questions. One of them was kind of a technical question about starting a meditation practice. And she asked, was there a particular time of day that studies show is better or worse for a meditation practice? And my answer for that is that studies have shown that the best time to meditate is the time you're going to meditate. So if you are not a morning person, don't try to do it first thing in the morning. If you get really tired at the end of the day, don't try to do it at the end of the day. What is most important is creating that habit. So when is this going to be the easiest possible time for you to do this every day? And just because you do it every day doesn't mean you have to do 20 minutes every day. If you can start off doing two minutes every day, brilliant. I bet even that limited amount of time is going to be productive for you and you're going to see a change. For me, I am one of those obnoxious early morning perky people. Sorry, I just am. So I love meditating in the morning. And also for me, I find that meditating in the morning means that I have no excuses. I have come to think about meditation in a similar way as I think of brushing my teeth. It is essential for my health. It is essential for my happiness. And it is essential for the happiness of people around me, quite honestly. Because if I'm not brushing my teeth, and if I'm not meditating, uh, nobody really wants to be around me. So that's just how I think about it. Even when life gets really busy, I always find time to brush my teeth. And I always find time to meditate, even if it is just a short period of time. I need to have that feeling of connection, of breathing, of coming back to what is truly important. So time of day, whatever time works for you, whatever time you can commit to. Somebody else asked a question about how you're supposed to breathe 
during a meditation, that he had heard some people say, you're supposed to breathe deeply. Other people say, don't change your breathing pattern. And he wasn't sure which one he should do. And again, you should breathe in the way that feels best to you. So there is this thing about meditation that if you look at all the different meditation traditions and all the places that tell you, like, this is the way to meditate, you're going to find conflicting information. There are going to be places that say, close your eyes. There are going to be places that say, keep your eyes open. There will be places that say, just lower your gaze. There's going to be all kinds of different instructions on breath, and you should sit, and you should lie down, and you should walk, and find what works for you. There's no wrong way to do this. Another question that someone asked me that I thought was so great was, it's wonderful to have a daily meditation practice or a regular meditation practice if daily is just not at all feasible for you. But what do you do in the moment? What do you do in the moment when anxiety is rising up? Maybe you feel like you're going to have a panic attack when stress at work or with family or friends or whatever it is, is really at a high point. And I thought that was such a great question because we've all been there. I have a panic disorder. I have had panic attacks in many, many grocery stores. Grocery stores are seriously triggering for me. Um, Art galleries, bars, restaurants, other people's houses. I had one at the gym. That really sucked. So I am very familiar with that feeling of being somewhere and feeling like you are at a 9.5 and needing one of those SOS tools in order to just not die immediately. There are a bunch of great things that you can do in this scenario. One of them that I really like because it also includes the body is taking the thumb and pressing it into the first finger, the second finger, the third finger, and the pinky. And as you go through each finger, you say one word. You can choose whatever words work for you, but the ones that I really like are thumb goes to first finger, peace, second finger, begins, third, with, pinky, me. So I press my fingers together and say, peace begins with me. Peace begins with me. It connects me to my body, which is great because I get a little heady and floaty when I panic. And the words remind me that there is a hell of a lot in my life that I cannot control. But what I can have some influence over is my response to the chaos, the difficulty, the challenge. Peace begins with me. Something else I love is trying to make my exhale twice as long as my inhale. So I like breathing in on a count of four and breathing out on a count of eight. So it goes something like this. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, tw
So that was just in and out through my nose. That does a whole bunch of really good stuff for the body. In yoga or meditation, we call those breathing exercises pranayama. If you want to look into the science of it, it's pretty cool. But what it does is deep breathing activates the parasympathetic nervous system, and it can counteract the effects of the amygdala, which is the center of fight, flight, and freeze. So when we go into that panicky mood, our bodies will release the stress hormones, right? The cortisol, the adrenaline. And when you go into deep breathing, it activates the parasympathetic nervous system response. And so that will activate the things that feel a little bit better in our body, things that can counterbalance that fight or flight. So in that moment when you're feeling panicky, go to the body, go to the breath. It's not always going to be able to bring you down from that 9.5 to a zero, but it might bring you down to a six. It might bring you down to a place where you can at least get on top of it and get yourself into a better situation. I would love for us to do a little meditation together. If you're driving, uh, probably don't want to meditate. Just skip forward like five minutes in this podcast and, and come back later. And, uh, and you can do this part when you are in a place where you can meditate safely. But if you're anywhere else, you know, if you're on a train or a plane or, or even if you're walking, actually, this will be okay. Just, you know, make sure crossing streets, you're being careful. But get as comfortable as you can wherever you are at. So you can lie down for this if you would like. You can be seated on a chair, couch, uh, on the floor, whatever you'd like. And options to keep your eyes open, close them, lower your gaze. And just start by breathing in and out through your nose. And notice if there is anywhere in the body that you are holding tension. Common places to hold tension are the belly, shoulders, neck. The jaw is always a big one for me. And find that place and just see if you can let it melt. We sometimes carry tension around with us all day and don't even notice that our shoulders are tucked up around our ears. So I feel pretty confident in saying your mind is going to wander and that's okay. Your entire job is to not get pissed off when your mind wanders to the future, to the past, to planning, judging, categorizing, listing. Your job is to not get mad at that monkey mind and to just give it a job. The job is watching the breath. The job is 
focusing on the sensations of breathing wherever you feel them. That might be the nose, the throat, the chest. You might feel the breath all the way down in the belly. And you might bring the thoughts back a thousand times. That's the practice. Can you accept this moment right here? Can you stop that cycle of clinging and pushing away? Because it's only from that place of true acceptance that we can make real lasting change. If you want something a little bit more tangible, you can count the breath. Inhale one, exhale one. Inhale two, exhale two. Keep going all the way up to 10, and if you get to 10, count backwards. Whenever you get lost in thought, start back at one again. Using compassion and love to bring the thoughts back whenever they wander. The thoughts are just the weather. You are the sky. You are the observer. You get to decide how much energy you put towards one thought over another. Because wherever your mind goes, that's where your energy goes. Final few moments here. See if any tension has crept into the body. and let it release. And now take a deep breath in through the nose. Open the mouth, sigh it out. Do that again, inhale through the nose and open the mouth, sigh, make noise. One more time. Inhale through the nose and sigh it out, really let it go, sigh. You can let the eyes open. Maybe take a little stretch, maybe roll the neck. So you did it, you meditated. Now the tricky thing is to not analyze your meditation. I used to, um, 
when I first started meditating. At the end of every meditation, I would give myself like a letter grade. I would be like, well, that was a C minus. Um, no, no, please don't do that. So maybe that meditation was amazing for you. Uh, maybe it was definitely not amazing. Whatever it was is okay. You know, that's part of the practice. Letting go of the attachment to whatever that experience was during the meditation. And if that meditation was really rough for you, if a whole lot of really difficult things came up, that's okay too. There is this great saying, meditation makes you feel better. It makes you feel anger better. It makes you feel sadness better. It makes you feel loneliness better. So sometimes when we meditate, really hard things happen in our minds. And that is the practice, sitting with those difficult things and getting comfortable being uncomfortable, not giving up and just breathing through it, knowing that you can handle it. A lot of the chatter that is going on in the back of the mind all the time comes to the forefront. That can be kind of horrifying, <laughs> kind of be like, oh my god, this, my brain is a really dangerous neighborhood. I should not be walking around alone. But what happens is that when we bring those thoughts forward, when they're not constantly running on a loop in the background, when we bring them forward, we can actually deal with them. We can actually acknowledge them and decide what to do with them and not just sort of have them haunt us all the time. So if that happened to you, it's totally okay. Um, that's a very common experience with meditation to be appalled at what is actually going on in our own minds when we are not distracted by Netflix and Instagram and red wine. Those can all be really great things, but it's super helpful to know the truth of what's going on with us when we take those distractions away. And all of that is just really helpful in whatever it is that we want to pursue in our lives, whether it's, it's work or relationships with friends, with family, if it's art, if it's our studies, all of those things are hugely benefited by the fact that we can really focus on something and we're not distracted by a million other unhelpful things. I really found when I started a meditation practice, like a consistent meditation practice, that I became a much better writer. I became a better wife. I became a better friend because there wasn't this chatter. There was a chatter, but I learned how to move past it, how to dismiss it, how to focus on other things instead of the chatter getting in the way all the time. So my personal practice is 20 minutes every morning, and it's the first thing that I do so that I make sure that it gets done. And it's been amazing for me. It's been amazing in the tools that it has given me in order to deal with my anxiety and my depression. It's really been a lifesaver. And I'm really honored 
to be able to share these things. I share them in my classes, I share them in my books, I share them in workshops, and I get so excited about it because I know how painful it is to be locked into anxiety. I know how painful it is to be locked into depression. And I know how helpless it can feel. Like, nobody can possibly understand how awful this is and how hard it is to do anything. I get that. I'm not going to say that this is a magic bullet. This is not a cure-all. And there are still times when I really struggle. There are still times when I'm stuck in that spiral of, of anxiety or depression. However, what meditation has done for me is it has offered me tools that mean that I spend less time sitting at the bottom of that proverbial well. I spend less time under that miserable cloud. When I'm able to recognize that I'm there, I have a bunch of different things that I can do that help me get out of there faster. And that, that alone to me is miraculous. So thanks so much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this. I hope that maybe you found one or two things to be helpful. And please feel free to send me comments, send me questions. This is a topic I'm super passionate about, and I would love to know what you want to know more of, and I would love to do another episode on this, maybe just answering all of your questions, because it can be kind of an elusive and uh, complicated-seeming thing, this whole meditation deal. But I will just say this. If you can find one moment to come back to your breath, your body, the present moment, and notice when you've been wallowing in the past and obsessing about the future and come back to what's happening right in front of you, it kind of changes everything. So again, thank you for listening. And if you are loving this theme song, check out Red Bird redbirdband.com they are out of portland oregon and i just adore them so please check them out and if you're interested in guided meditations i highly recommend insight timer it is a free app and I use it every single day for my personal meditation practice. I also have meditations on there, so you can go on, search for my name, and you can meditate with me. But you can search for all kinds of things. They have music on there. It's really great. Insight Timer. I will link to it in the show notes. All the show notes and links can be found at embraceyourweirdpodcast.com. And thank you so much to everyone who has gone there and contributed a $10 donation towards the costs of creating this podcast. It really means a lot to me. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. I will see you next time. Till then, keep it weird, everybody. Today